I realised something this morning. So do you have a cold open? I have a cold open. My first okay, ever cold great. open. This is important. Worth sharing. Worth I'm, talking. I need some advice I'm, on how to deal okay. with this. Okay, let's do it. I realise that my dog is more handsome than me. <gasps> you're, well, you're the last person to realise this, Steve. That's what I've been told. <laughs> well, well, you can't compete. He's a, he's a chocolate Labrador puppy. He's more handsome than every human, every member of the human species. I know, but there's just something particularly human-like about his handsomeness. The way he turns around and looks at you, it's kind of like John Hamm looking over his shoulder, you know? Right, and you, you feel like you're the only person in the room or in the world. Yeah. The way he looks at you. Yeah. yeah. I but get that I know too. He... And his name is Hercules, which is like the, you know, the strongest man name you can have. Yeah. I think I, I love your dog. I think I'm developing feelings for your dog. <laughs> Romantic feelings. Yeah, I think so. I'm so convicted. You only knew what is a puppy. It's pedophilic. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I also I also have a cold open. So do you want me to just put mine to you and then we could decide which one of these we want to talk about more? Okay. Me being a puppy predator or this thing I'm going to talk about. <laughs> oh God, puppy predator. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go with yours quickly. <laughs> okay. So you, you heard they're making a Matrix 4, right? Uh, yeah, I think I've seen the headline of an article. Yeah, and Keanu Reeves is back, and Carrie Ann Moss is back, and I think one of the Wich- Wich- Wachowskis, uh-huh. Wachowskis, Wachowskis. Um, so this got us talking in work about the whole, you know, the whole blue pill, red pill thing. Mm-hmm. Like, which would you take? So I got two questions for you. First of all, which would you take, blue pill or red pill? So red yeah. pill being the one where you go off on the adventure and you get jacked out of the Matrix, or blue pill, you just stay in blissful ignorance. Blue. I think I'm a blue pill too. <laughs> I'm that guy who, who, who just likes this, to taste his virtual steak too much. Yeah, the cypher guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just want to live in blissful ignorance. Now, the second question is, what happens if you take both those pills at the same time and just swallow them? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think happens? (laughs) Yeah, just do that, grab them for more of you. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's like, it's never happened before. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing? There's no protocol for this. This is just a metaphor. You've ruined it. Like, does your mind split? Do you, do you, does half your consciousness, consciousness stay within the matrix and the other half get separated out? Is there some sort of cataclysmic chrono event? I think, or, I, I, well, what do you think? I think the only response to this is to look like Keanu Reeves and go, whoa. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what someone at work, when I posed that question to them, they got all really like um, deep and philosophical about it. And then there was a long pause. And then I said, I think you'd just get the runs. That would be it. <laughs> nice, nice contribution. <laughs> There's nothing else that you just have to awkwardly leave. Well, let's hope that uh, the Matrix Four goes into deeper things than you know. You get the shits. No, <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I I don't want to see that movie. Didn't they break the Matrix at the end of it? Yeah, and th- I think both those characters who are returning died. So who's to say? But from taking the red and blue pill, the purple pill together, they both but- died. And was it like that the Matrix was actually the Matrix and then the real world was the Matrix? And we were oh, all... I have no idea. We were all the Matrix together? You, <laughs> The Matrix was inside us all along. And there was some big baby... The there was some big baby face that was the boss of the robots. A bit like the, the son in Teletubbies. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like... Remember the end of Matrix Revelations? When the camera panned up and the son from the baby <laughs> son from Teletubbies was just there in the sky. <laughs> And then it faded to black and it said the end question mark. <laughs> Finn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're getting a Matrix 4.
pretty hungover. Where were you? What were you doing? I was in the Bayview Hotel in finest killy bags. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We spotted, some, we spotted some foreigners because they were taking photographs of themselves drinking Guinness. <laughs> that is how you can tell yeah. in rural Ireland, a foreigner. Yeah. Because when you're just an Irish person, that's just so standard. Yeah, we do it all the time. Yeah, exactly. The late one? Uh, I, I, can't, I think so. But or are one, you just getting old? I'm just getting old. Yeah. Just can't put them away like we used to. No. I don't know if I ever could, but it's getting worse. That's the thing. I mean, either. <laughs> yeah, I've always got bad hangovers, but... Yeah. yeah, I haven't had a hangover in a while, so I'm just kind of... Well, you know what's good old-fashioned Irish cure um, for a hangover is that our grandpappies used to use... Time machines. <laughs> Go back I was going to say pod... Yes, I was going to say podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should you remember when our grandparents used to do this podcast? <laughs> yeah, we inherited it. Three generations of what and politics. <laughs> of course, they, they used to telegram their podcast around to people. Yeah, it was different, simpler times. And uh, people used to have to shout their negative one-star reviews at them through the window. <laughs> John, you shit. Times. <laughs> fucking centre is making room for fucking far right ideas. <laughs> Go away! Get, get out of my window! <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> oh, simpler times. Look, you're hungover. Let's get into it. Let, let's let's. What are we doing? What are we going to chat about? Uh, well, we've explained what one on politics is, so that's fine. Have um, we? Yeah, sure. Third generation. I, third generation. Third Farm generation. to Fork, organic Farm. podcast. Yeah. Did, did you read anything about Brexit? Can you talk about Brexit for a bit? I could talk about Brexit for a little bit. Yeah, go on. So, you know, the I don't know if you're aware, Steve, but seven of uh, some of the most influential leaders of world powers are currently interrailing their way around France right now, um, staying in cheap hostels and drinking tins of Polish beer, just yeah. having the bans, mm. just discovering themselves politically, economically and sexually. <laughs> Otherwise known as the G7 Summit. Yeah, that's happening right now currently uh-huh. in what's the name of the place? Biarritz, Biarritz, yeah. France. It's in France. I thought it was in Poland, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I put on holidays um, this week. That's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah, the leaders of the um, seven of the most advanced economies in the world: Canada, France, Germany, Italy, UK, US, Japan. They used to have Russia, but they kicked them out. <laughs> yeah, um, they all meet to discuss like, global economic, political, and security stuff mm. uh, once a year. Uh, it's important to note for the context of this Brexit story that the EU is invited along to these summits. So in addition to all those um, lads and lassies, we've got Donald Tusk in the mix. Ooh. And yeah, Tusky, for those of you who don't know, is the president of the European Council. Um, and worth again noting for the context of this new story, has been in opposition to Brexit from the get-go. Hardly. Has, har- yes, exa- exactly. And has gone on the record many times, including yesterday, Saturday. Saying mean um, things. Say- saying mean things. And I'll actually get to that because it's actually kind of funny. Uh, saying he will not cooperate with the UK on a no-deal Brexit. Which he said many times, but he has reiterated again at this most um, important of occasions, the G7 summit. Is he going to still uh, be in charge because they're, sw- they're changing the guard soon? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, I haven't heard anything about a, a replacement or even, I don't even know how that process works. He will be. He, um, he's the head of the council, so he's like the yeah. top of the presidents and prime ministers of Europe. So they will pick someone else, but I don't think they've Do chosen. Do you know when? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> you heard it here first. At lunchtime. <laughs> Someone should tell Tusk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has said that the EU is willing to listen to Boris on ideas for Brexit, but they just have to be realistic, yeah. which is one of the biggest caveats in the world. Boris he also Johnson said it doesn't do realistic. <laughs> do I die? It's not, his, it's not his brand. Look at that hair. He's not realistic about that man. <laughs> he also said, this is where it gets funny, he also said that Boris risks becoming known as Mr. No Deal. 
which is either the worst poor name or the best gladiator name. I'll let you be the judge of that. You missed the trick um, of making a James Bond quote, Dr. No Deal. Dr. No Deal would be so good. Very go. on brand as well, especially considering there's a new Bond movie coming out. Boris Johnson. Boris said, I've made it absolutely clear I don't want no uh, I don't want no deal and that we've got to get rid of the backstop from the treaty. And if Mr. Tusk doesn't want to go down as Mr. No Deal Brexit, I hope that point will become born in mind too. So he basically said, I know you are, but what am I? And he's <laughs> putting the Mr. No Deal back on Donald Tusk. Well, when you said it like that, it kind of sounded like you're trying to be sassy. It's like, I don't want yeah, no I don't deal. Want no deal. <laughs> I don't want no deal. You I just it. realized that as I was reading it. <laughs> so they don't want a deal. Is that what you're saying? I don't understand. I'm all confused. Uh, I don't want no deal. I don't need no man. <laughs> uh, oh. Brexit talk. Does it ever make sense? Yeah. No. So funny. And in an attempt to get better at our segues, it's also point out that Do- uh, Donald Trump said that Boris Johnson was the man for the job. Well, at the G7 mm. summit. Just as we were so. coming on to recording, they were, I think, Trump said something like, oh, you're great and I love you, Boris Johnson. Yeah, and then they had that big long kiss and it was really weird. Mm. And now Boris Johnson says, a Brexit deal is now touch and go. And after that context, that sounds gross. <laughs> yeah, it's not the only thing that's touch and go. And then he wiggled his eyebrows for 90 minutes. <laughs> he said it's as a weird summit. Mm. I just fast forward that. Like, <laughs> Still go. Yeah, so your segue. Uh, yeah, sorry, because, yeah, do, do you want to talk about Trump? Uh, yeah, I'll just briefly tell everybody that I'm sure you noticed, but Donald Trump wanted to buy Greenland. <laughs> Seriously. Sometimes you don't need, like, you don't need satire. No. You know what I what mean? I, mean, like, <laughs> I kind of, I mean, yeah, but like, they did it, they've done it, they asked before, they asked after World War Two. Yeah, but there's just something about Trump doing it. Yeah, I know. It's That's almost like it's a Christmas special of The Apprentice <laughs> where he's trying to, you know, teach business practice or something in this very, like, over-the-top way. But, what, yeah, come on, let's let's talk a little bit about why he wanted to. Well, it's a, it's a, bit, it's a strategic mm. thingy, and it's going to get more strategically important as the ice retreats. So I reckon he came across some sort of a report that said this would be a good idea. Like, you know, people make these reports and as the ice retreats, there'll be more resources up there and there'll be more, it'll be more important to be the boss of the North. Yeah. King, King of the of North. The North. <laughs> so he actually did it. He actually proposed it, which is not what you're supposed to do. Well, so how does a proposition like this work? Is it just a series of tweets you shout out? Do you make a phone call? Is there a cat, an Argos style catalogue? This one was leaked. Uh, I don't know if it was done on purpose, but apparently he was like, he was like very enthusiastic about the idea mm-hmm. at a meeting and then people leaked it. And then the Danish responded with no, <laughs> no, no. And then like... They've doubled down on it with like, no. And like, even if yes, no, it just can't work. It doesn't work like that anymore, you fucking idiot. (laughs) But I'm sure Donald uh, Trump has taken this in stride with Grace. No, he uh, cancelled a meeting with the fucking Danish Prime Minister. (laughs) That they didn't even know that that's what the meeting was about. They thought it was just like a good meeting between America and Denmark, who are allies. Like, they're they're military allies. Denmark's a very important player in NATO. And yeah. uh, no, Trump is just like, well, fuck you anyway. Do you think it was going to be like when you buy a used car off someone on Dundee or something like that and you show up at their house and you just look around and you talk down the car to try and get a better deal? He was just going to go to Denmark and talk about how shit Greenland is. Yeah, it's like it's not even green anyway. <laughs> it's very cold. It's full of ice. Yeah. Iceland is the one that should be called Greenland. Maybe I should go over and buy that. 
<laughs> yeah. It's getting bigger all the time with the volcanoes and shit. Yeah. Anyway. Mm, stupid. Stupid man. Stupid stuff. Stupid, stupid, silly stuff. Although, I mean, and then again, just to point out, America gained a lot of land by buying it before, but you don't, it doesn't work like that. Like, they bought Alaska. No. They bought yeah. uh, the, most of Louisiana and all that bits, but, like, it doesn't work like that anymore. No. That, like, Thank Greenland God. is technically its own country. It's this enemy autonomous region, so, no. Yeah, has anyone asked Greenland what they think of all this? Yes. <laughs> then, what do they think of all this? No. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> they think no. They think no. That's uh, fair. I think originally the first quote was, uh, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Great. Quite polite Inuits. Mm. What else? Uh, we are going to try something new soon. Are we? We are. No, we are. We are. Tell me about it. We're going to try. To tell me. Tell them about it. Uh, everybody and you. We're mm-hmm. all going to try and read a book together. But books are for nerds. Well, this is a politics podcast. We are That's nerds true. and we need to lean That's into true. it more. So I was we thinking do. We, do. we could do mm-hmm. something fun and we could all get together and read a book. Cool. All get together in, in Richie's house. In Richie's house. He'll make he'll make grilled cheese and tomato soup like he did last night for his friends. Why do you grill the, the cheese and put it in the soup? It's what John Favreau does in his movie Chef. Oh, really? He doesn't. No, he, does. oh. he just makes a really nice grilled cheese and he released a recipe for it and I wanted to make them. So I made it for my housemates and Jerry and his girlfriend last night with some tomato soup. That's was what I got up to. What'd you get up to? I got went drinking and got rad arse. I told you that already. Oh, that's true. that's true. I got rat arse on tomato soup and grilled cheese. <laughs> and another thing. This cheese is too strong. <laughs> strength five. <laughs> strength six. Anyway, book club. Book club, yeah. We're um, we're going to contact an author. Yeah. We're going to get the author to agree to let us read their book, which should be easy. Yeah. We hope. It should and then... be easy. It's like, no, you're not allowed to read No. Book. I am buying all copies of this book to stop you from reading it. <laughs> George uh, R. R. Martin's a dick. <laughs> Quiet. He runs the world now. True. Oh no, he doesn't because everyone hates him after the after the show being bad or whatever. That's not his fault. Yeah. We're going to contact the author and then we're going to read it together over a month or two and then we're going to mm-hmm. talk to the author. And not only that, because we've been reading it together with all you fine people, you are going to send us in your talking points and questions and we'll put it to the author. Yeah. You do the work. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit, there's a bit <laughs> the of that author shows too. up to the interview and it's just like a bunch of people in the room and we're sitting at the back. <laughs> oh, we didn't read it. <laughs> These fuckers did. I played PlayStation. Yeah, we're just here to collect the checks. <laughs> so we are in progress of talking to a particular author, mm-hmm. but he hasn't 100% confirmed yet. So we'll hold off on announcing who it is and what the book is. But I've already, I've already revealed it's a man. Oh, mm. men can be authors too. It's 2019. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the book club, that's a great, that's a fucking great idea. Yeah. New excuse to read more books that aren't just fantasy books. Yeah. Actually, you know, over the last couple of years, all the books I've been reading have just been kind of dictated by you, either through the ones we've read for this podcast or the many fantasy books you've put me onto. Yeah, it's true. I started reading the Mistborn series. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Mm. Uh, I finished the um, the Stormlight Archive stuff. Oh, you finished the big, well, you finished three, but I think he's, he wants to write way more. He wants to write, wants to write ten. Jesus. He wants to write Ted. The first five are like a self-contained story and then there's another five set like after Time Jump or something like that. But My God. Crazy stuff. But, but they're just so goddamn good. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a Brandon Sanderson for the record. That's who we're talking about. Yeah. Read that. <gasps> you gave away the name of our author. Go <laughs> <laughs> wish. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Book Club. Great idea. Stay tuned for more. We'll be posting about that in the socials and stuff. Until then, let's talk about something specific. Let's talk about something that we've been meaning to talk about for literally weeks. Something that is happening. Right now. Something that's happening currently and will continue to happen after this recording, so please bear that in mind. 
it if is you're listening to this at a later date. It's actually literally happening right now because today is Sunday as we record and it has been every Sunday that the protesters come out in the city of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Steve, what am happening in Hong Kong? Loads of protests against how they are losing their democracy, basically. Right. So and people are not happy about that for obvious reasons. For, well, you see, we were not going to talk about it for a long time without saying obvious reasons. <laughs> True. Uh, but people, the idea of people not being happy about losing their democratic power is yeah, and pretty yes, clear. Yeah. But what else? What, make, what, what, what other things are making this so goddamn complicated? It is confusing because Hong Kong is, it only really joined mainland China, it only joined the rest of China in 1997. Before that, it was a British colony. Right. I think, uh, does everybody know that? Is that a thing? I th- I, 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 so before like the, the more recent news stories, um, I was kind of vaguely aware of it. I knew it wasn't. I, I kind of, in my head, it was like, okay, it's technically part of China, mm. but yeah, only only technically, if you know what I mean. I was talking about that with someone recently, about whether or not it counts as um, 30 before 30, like a bucket list or, yeah, 30, before, well, hopefully a bucket list, we don't, we don't die at 30, but 30 countries before 30, like traveling. Yeah. Oh, would Hong Kong count as that? Would Hong Kong count? And then would Taiwan count? And then would Tibet count? <laughs> right. You could really fuck up your list if you, if you hit those places, it turns out they don't count. I don't think they count. You don't think they count? Well, Taiwan will count. Okay, Taiwan yeah. counts. Yeah. But I would maybe even argue Hong Kong will count, even just like as a culturally different experience. Yeah, I've never been there. Because it's, it's got separate... No, I've never been, but just like it's got... It's got doesn't have its own currency and everything. It would, Yeah, it would use the Hong Kong dollar. Yeah, and culturally it seems like it's very different. So even though I guess technically it's part of China, yeah, the actual experience of going to China and going to Hong Kong seems like they would be very distinct. The very fact that you can argue about this means it's a complicated situation. Absolutely. Yes, that's a very good point. So, yeah, it was a British colony. Um, Basically, it was a teeny tiny little village on the coast. It's down there in the southwest coast, pretty far away from Beijing and all the mad stuff that goes on. Is it southwest or southeast? Southeast, yeah, of course, because there's no water in the southwest and that would be confusing. (laughs) The the Brits were off doing their shitty thing back in the imperialistic days um, (laughs) because they're so great now. (laughs) Um, they did a thing called an opium war they decided that they want to they they had all this opium lying around in India and they're like what are we going to do with all this opium oh Mm -hmm. there's loads of people in China let's go sell it to them and the Chinese empire was like no no please don't do that that's not nice we don't don't like that so then the Brits were like fuck you and bombed them loads of times for not buying their opium for not letting them sell their opium so that was Mm. the first opium war the Chinese lost and the British when, forced when, about, when, when was this, sorry? This is about 18... 18... 18, wow. <laughs> 18 AD. Jesus was only 18 years old. Only a sprog. Jesus was of a legal drinking age. Oh, he this was he had his first pint. He was reading about <laughs> this crack first going on in Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, you say it's 18 what? About the 1840s, this bit was happening. But then this okay. is the century of humiliation for China. So shit got bad and bad and bad. The British kept, kept on taking more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And they eventually strung them, in, them into signing a lease on the territory that makes up Hong Kong now in 1898. Okay. Kind of like what we were talking about before where America wanted to buy Greenland. Right. Except this was a lease for 99 years. Which, so they were renting this part of China for 99 years. Yeah. And I mean, this is not that strange. That this kind of leasing crap was going on an awful lot back then as the countries were going around the world conquering and taking what wasn't theirs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, this meant that like it kept Hong Kong different from then on. There were other trade cities like Shanghai and 
I can't remember, like Macau, that was a kind of Portuguese one and Shanghai was kind of internationally German and very British as well. Right. But Hong Kong was separate because it was actually being directly controlled and ruled by the Brits. And so it was, it was this where we started to see some like those cultural differences because it was having more of a Western influence. Yeah, exactly. Like how tangible was that? Very tangible. So they have, they had like proper British style courts. Okay. They had um, respect for property and rule of law that maybe wouldn't be as culturally ingrained in what China used to be. Mm -hmm. Obviously these days. Well, actually it doesn't really. So that's the point. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it it was very Western, especially in terms of its economy. And that became the big part of it. So there was a lot of money to be made as it was part of the big East Asian trading network that the Brits had built. Right. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Chinese started moving in because they were fleeing shit that was going on in their homes and were also like, hey, we can make a quick buck by moving to Hong Kong. Right, okay. And uh, yeah, it kind of developed on its own. And then it did. It, it managed to separate itself from a good bit of the mad stuff that was going on in China around this time. So it didn't really get involved in the civil war part between the communists and the nationalists. We talked about that before in the What I'm China episode. Mm-hmm. It did get hurt pretty badly during World War II. The Japanese invaded and um, it got a big population decrease. But then immediately afterwards when the Chinese nationalists lost against the um, Communist Party, when they were fleeing, loads of them fled to Taiwan, set up Taiwan as a separate country, but then also, well, not as a separate country, but like a government in exile. Okay. And then loads of hundreds of thousands of Chinese nationalists went to Hong Kong as well and just set up base there under British protection. So that the Hong Kong benefited from that yeah. displacement. Exactly, okay. yeah. After World War II, when things were going still very international trade Hong Kong was really well positioned. And then it started specializing in financial markets as well for Asia. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really that many, comp- there wasn't that many other competition cities. It kind of, it would follow us at similar track to what Singapore had as well. It's like these two cities, right. these two Western style city states that were being used by the West when they're doing their business around Asia. And yeah, it developed and developed and developed and developed. So if things were, if things were going so well for Hong Kong, did, did Britain have to give it up? Not at all. It seems like no. it's, okay. Um, they had a 99-year lease, but it was a, like it would be very easy and internationally legal for the British to say, well, that lease was done with an emperor who isn't there anymore. You're now chairman, whatever. I, th- I don't think it was Chairman Mao. I think it was the fellow that came after him. Right. They could have very easily said, no, this is a capitalist, semi-democratic little state that's been speaking English and being very different for a very long time. Why would we give it to a, gi- a giant communist authoritarian state? Right, okay. But the thing is, is that history was starting to change. So... While the communists were initially ignored and not liked during the start of the Cold War, around the end of the Cold War, around the 80s, um, the West had decided that they wanted to be friends with the Chinese. Okay. So the Brits were like, okay, we'll do a deal. And they um, went into negotiations, they had big chats, and they came up with an agreement to allow the transition to happen so that Hong Kong would return to Beijing's control in 1997. Okay. In 1997. Okay. 1997. Yeah, I actually remember it happening. I remember watching it on television. I think Prince Charles went over to watch it and they had this big ceremony, like a proper handover between the militaries and the the Brits like lowered their flag and the Chinese raised their flag and all that stuff. Okay. And around this time, Hong Kong was an incredibly important part of the Chinese economy. It was it was about 25% of Chinese GDP at that time. Oh wow, that's huge for such a small part. It was a, yeah, exactly. Like a, this city, well, like it was, a, it was a big populous city, but in comparison to the rest of China, obviously it was much smaller. And yet, mm. it gave them a huge boost economically, and they developed an awful lot of their um, their own industries on the mainland, very close to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. It became like a special trading region. I think it's called the Shen, Shen Zhenzhen region or something like that. Yeah. So I'll take a pause now and ask: Did you 
look up any good facts about Hong Kong? Did I look up any facts? Like yeah. true fake facts? True fake facts. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this being a new thing? Um, so we're not no. like misinforming the public? Nah, let's just misinform them. Um, so yeah, while the protests are going on, I don't know if you're familiar, if you, if you look in like, sometimes in the top right hand corner of a particular frame, you'll see like a smaller protest happening within the larger protest. <laughs> and it's just poor timing that um, the the hot issue of canine suffrage um, is also happening currently in Hong Kong um, about dogs finally wanting to, to get their vote back. Back. Um, but yeah, well, we all know that doggies lost the right to vote back in 2002. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Worldwide Kong, or just Hong Kong? No, just in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, it was when the actions of uh, one very bad boy, uh, he took a wee-wee on um, Chinese President's favourite rug <gasps> and they revoked their right to vote. Um, so, And that had an effect on, on all the doggies in the region. Um, but yeah, people, uh, what experts have been calling um, uh, mass puppy protests have been happening or MPPs um, <laughs> fronted by the um, the Good Boy Coalition. But they're kind of, you can't really see them because again, the main protests are kind of overshadowing them. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, humans are taller than dogs. So, Well, probably, that's it. You, yeah. It's all happening just at a small, at a lower mm, level. Yeah. And if you do look really closely, you can see like a couple of adorable little signs that say stuff like, we're here, we're cute, get used to it. <laughs> and And, but you know, Maybe we'll have to wait for this main protest because it's a more important thing. And then maybe canine, we can get back to the idea of canine suffrage later on. Okay. How about you? Do you got, you got any true fake facts? Uh, yeah, Coca-Cola was invented in Hong Kong. No way. Yeah, it's true. For what, for like, for what reason? Um, they were trying to invent a cure for earwax leaking out of your nose. Oh, that's so common. Mm, yeah, that, happens yeah. all the time. Happens especially yeah. in Hong Kong because it's such a tropical climate as well. It's really warm and it's just like bleh. That's true. And so, was the, sorry, so the Coca-Cola was originally developed in Hong Kong mm. for medicinal purposes. Mm. And then, may, so when someone was trying to pour it into their nose to fix their earwax, mm-hmm. sorry if I'm just getting this straight, mm-hmm. and some of it probably dribbled into their mouth and they're like, mm. mm, this is refreshing. This is very tasty. So that is the secret ingredient. It is actually, it's not coca leaf, which is what some people would say. It's actually... right the earwax coming out of people from Hong Kong's nose. No, that's true. And I also heard that Pepsi was invented around a similar time to f- for like um, enemas. Mm. The <laughs> that's why nobody likes Pepsi. <laughs> that's why no one likes that's, Pepsi. That's more... also why the, the blind taste tests are just awful. <laughs> it's so stinky. Um, those are some good true fake facts. Those are some good true fake facts. Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that we did this. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Shall we get back to the actual facts? Let's get back to the actual facts. Well... Mm-hmm. Are they? Well, uh, well you know, we've, so, we've sown the seeds of uh, confusion now among the people. That's it. We're like the Chinese Communist Party at the moment. Ha ha ha! Okay, so it's it's 1997. Is Hong Kong fully back in China at this point, or like what's the, what's the dynamic like now? So they came up with a phrase at the time to explain what they were trying to do with the transition from Hong Kong to British to Chinese rule. It was going to be one country, one China, right? But two systems. Okay, so, so like we said, it's technically all one country. All one country. But they've just got different ways of doing things. There's no Hong Kong army. There's no Hong Kong president. There's no Hong Kong can't go to the Olympics. But okay. they do have separate legal system. They have a separate, like the Chinese, although they're not very good at it these days, are essentially a communist socialist system. Right. Whereas Hong Kong is a capitalist system entirely. Right. Okay. But 
the Chinese were like, fine, yep, we'll let that keep going and we'll respect the Hong Kong's right to be a little bit different just as long as we can be the guys who say we own it. Okay. Yeah, that was and an is ad- this an indefinite thing? No. It was a 50-year deal. So it is due to end in 2047. Right. And it wasn't that the Chinese were necessarily just doing it to be nice. Like, the Chinese knew that this was going to be worth a lot of money. And they decided that they were going to go down the kind of capitalist route to make loads of money. Mm-hmm. So it made sense for them to keep Hong Kong a little bit different. And uh, the thing about it is, if you're a big international company and you want to set up a factory somewhere or do some sort of big trading enterprise, yeah. you're a little bit hesitant to do it in a country that is authoritarian and just throws people in jail when it feels like it. Whereas if you can rely and trust on somewhere like Hong Kong to respect the rule of law and not steal your stuff when they feel like it, then you're more likely yeah. to do business there. So that's why the Chinese were keeping it and let, allowing it to be different. Right, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, but the problem is is that they also don't want to do anything like democracy because that doesn't fit <laughs> into what the Chinese Communist Party want to do with China. Okay, okay. So that doesn't really fit into what the Hong Kongers have been told about what they were going to get because they were told that they were they were going to get the same rights and privileges as they would if they were under British rule, which would be a lot more democratic. So was the idea then that, so the, like these two, the, you've got these two separate bodies and they're hurtling towards like a 50 year deadline in the future where they're going to fully be integrated together. You've got the Hong Kong people being told your freedoms are not going to be taken away. So was that, does that mean the implication was that China was going to adopt more, more of those freedoms? It was going to become more westernized in that sense? I didn't look into it, but I bet you that was probably what the, everyone was thinking. Yeah. And that has been proved absolutely not true. Yeah. If anything, we're afraid that we're all going to become more Chinese in our ways. <laughs> yeah. Than, the, than, you know, more authoritarian, more strongman politics than having, uh, than having like, China isn't really going to democratize. It's not on that no. path. No. The only thing that, like, it, yeah, I mean, anything can happen. There's no point making predictions, but they're doing pretty well. And it seems that the middle class people in China don't aren't in a rush to demand freedoms that we have here in the West. Right. They have their way of doing things and they seem to be pretty happy with it. So therein is exists a lot of conflict then, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Bodies. So in 2014, the Hong Kong Parliament itself said, okay, we're going to move towards universal suffrage. And the way the Chinese said, okay, yeah, fine, go for that. So everybody can have a vote, except mm-hmm. where you can only vote on the people to run you that we want to specifically pick. The so, Chinese, that the Chinese government picks. That the Chinese government picks, the Beijing picks. Right. And Hong Kong were like, that's not democracy. That's you telling us what to do. Yeah. So they had a protest at the time that was called the Umbrella Protest. I remember that. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it was but 2014. Huge. So yeah. it didn't really work, though. The Chinese paused it and they're like, fine, nothing. <laughs> we're going to keep things the way they are. <laughs> at the moment, um, they have a separate ruler, um, but she is chosen by a committee of 1,200 people. Not, not mm-hmm. everybody in the city gets a vote, and those 1,200 people are dominated by pro-Chinese people. Okay. So who, everyone that's been put in charge of, China, of Hong Kong since it became part of China have been very much pro-Beijing. Okay. And there hasn't been much wiggle room for any more freedoms. So the problem at the moment is that there was this shithead evil man who murdered his pregnant girlfriend while on holiday in Taiwan. <sighs> yeah. And then he ran away. And he went back to Hong Kong and Mm -hmm. the Taiwanese are like, give us that criminal so we can put him in prison. Yeah, extradite him. Extradite him. Hong Kong were like, shit, we don't have an extradition treaty. So they used this. Oh, so they just didn't have any rules in place for for how you extradite someone. So therefore it just couldn't happen? Exactly. 
legally. Okay. Couldn't happen legally. So this is the thing. Hong Kong, as we said, as we mentioned before, it's very important to note that Hong Kong follows the same Western style of rule of law that we have. Yeah. So at the moment in the West, if somebody did a crime in Ireland and someone in France wanted to try that, or the French government wanted to put them in prison in France, they would have to request the Irish government to extradite them. And there is a treaty in place to do that. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any examples apart from Hong Kong and the rest of the world, but... yeah. Most countries have these extradition treaties and it's kind of like you're not considered that au fait with someone if you don't have an extradition treaty. So okay. the Hong Kong government were like, okay, we're going to bring an extradition law and we will choose each one on a case-by-case basis as to whether or not we'll allow them to be extradited. Mm-hmm. But what they sneakily did was include people being allowed to be extradited to mainland China as part of this. And that, uh. that spooked the fuck out of Hong Kongers because that made them go, oh shit, that means that if we say something bad about the Chinese government, which they kind of have yeah. the right to do in Hong Kong, yeah. then the Chinese government would be like, get that guy, put him in prison. And in- Right, because they're an authoritarian government. They were afraid of like them being able to reach their kind of tendrils into Hong Kong yes, more easily now. At the moment, if you say something bad about the Chinese in China, they will pick you up and put you into a labor camp and they can just yeah. do it. Because that's how they work over there. Yeah. And the Hong Kongers are like, we don't want that to happen. So yeah, they went ballistic and they started protesting. And this was the catalyst. This was the... Yes, this was the catalyst. This this extradition treaty. So it's not that they're against the idea of extradition treaties for murderers. Mm. They are against the idea that the extradition treaty will be abused by mainland China to exert more control and scare people in Hong Kong into following what they want. And it's also indicative of like larger issues as well and larger kind of tensions. Yeah, because a lot of people are pointing out that a lot of these protests are being um, led by young people, people who would have been grown up, certainly maybe not born before 97, but certainly have grown up in a Hong Kong that has nothing to do with the old way. So they they don't want, they, they don't have any, I guess, ties or... They don't feel it beholden to what the deal in 97 was because, you know, they weren't around. So they're like, well, fuck it. We're going to start. We're going to we want a Hong Kong for us now. And we want to yeah. do d- democratic but, freedoms. But also, like if if the if this is full integration is going to happen in 2047, that's like, what, 28 years from now? These well, young it, people are going to be like the working force. Yeah, it's not. And I feel like they sh- should have like a say and control. It's not necessarily that the... Um, that there has to be a new, in, like, it's not that after 50 years, you'll immediately just become a city in China. Like, mm. it just means that that deal that they did with the British will end then. Oh, okay. I thought that ended in 97. They did a deal in 97 to, agree that the deal that they did in 97 was between Britain and China, that right. China would absolutely 100% recognize that there's two different, two different, there's two systems for 50 years. And then it's up to China and Hong Kong to figure, well, it's up to Hong Kong. Ah. Yeah. figure out how they want the relationship to go afterwards. So I see. essentially all this this disagreement and protesting is people trying to exert control on what's going to happen next. Right. So the protests have been pretty hectic, pretty crazy. Um, yeah. They've been, there's been some big peaceful ones with something like one seventh of the population of Hong Kong, over a million people marching. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been some rowdy ones as well. Um, I think around the start of July to which was around the same time of year that the British handed over. It was like the mark that anniversary. They, loads of young people uh, stormed the Hong Kong Legislature building and mm-hmm. wrecked it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also been loads of clashes with police. The police have been very rowdy. Um, they've been Yeah, there's been some extreme violence from the police. Uh, a lady lost an eye, actually. Yeah. Um, she, she got hit with a beanbag, which when they say beanbags, you read that and you go, eh, but actually, no, this is like a little 
bag of pellets that's being fired out of a fucking gun. So yeah. it's it like a set below a bullet. Yeah, exactly. It's another version of a rubber bullet that did yeah. that does a lot of damage. Um, Absolutely. So and beatings as well, like like baton beatings. Like it's, yeah. Yeah, and then they're also there's these there's thugs that are getting involved. These guys wearing white polo shirts who show up to attack protesters, and people suspect that they're actually triads, which are the the, the Hong Kong mafia, wow. who would be on the side of the Chinese government. So it's wow. getting rough. It's getting rough. Yeah, it's, it's it's confusing. So the Chinese don't really know what to do. Right, they could just stomp on it. Okay, they could send in soldiers. They could crush the protests. They can. They have that power as a big, strong country with loads of armies. In fact, they've moved as small, and well, not small, actually. Thousands of troops are waiting right across the border. They're, pra- they're practicing in a big sports stadium how to break up riots. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, the Chinese did this in Tiananmen Square. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's precedent. Yep. Uh, but do we know, like, have, have, there, have they voiced any sort of threats to kind of like, like what will... What will it take to make them go that far? No, they haven't given an indication as to like what their actual feeling is. What they're doing is they're trying to make the protesters look like uh, rioters, okay, like thugs. Basically, they're trying to paint the protesters as being nothing more than criminals, and they're also insinuating that they're they're being paid by foreign powers to do this. So, like the CIA are there giving people money to protest. That's what the right. Chinese the, are trying to say. And the Chinese control their own media, so they can very easily push that kind of message out there. Yeah, and I mean. If you're a Chinese person in China and you're, you're happy with how things are going, you're going to be inclined to just agree with that. And you're going to see people in Hong Kong as being rowdy and, you know, there must be something. Why would they be not be happy to be, you know, part of China like all of us? So there must be some yeah. foreign people in there trying to stir things up, you know? Mm. So it's, and mm. then, but the problem with China is that they're also trying to push that message out to the rest of the world. And we're just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> like, having any of it. <laughs> we know, we know what you guys are up to. So yeah. the fear is, is that the Chinese will eventually give up on trying to ignore the protests and, send in troops to, to squash mm-hmm. it. To, to, like every week that they let it go on is another week that they look weak in terms of not being able mm-hmm. to control a city that's theirs. Yeah. And also just on a principal point of view, it's like, this is our city. We can't let this shit go on inside our cities. So we want to stop it. Yeah. I suspect they won't though. I'm kind of thinking it'll fizzle. You think? Yeah, the protests will stop. Maybe they'll come to some agreement. Maybe um, the the current chairwoman of Hong Kong will step down. That'll be good enough. Maybe some police will get fired or something like that, and that'll allow the protesters to get a token win. What's definitely not going to happen is the Chinese are not going to say, okay, here, have the vote, become democratic. <laughs> They're not going to do that. At all? No. And then what's going to happen in, for Hong Kong probably is that the Western companies that have been using it so much for business are probably going to go, well... It's not really that safe anymore, so we're either going well, to... Well, that's it, yeah. When the main selling points of us, yeah. our occupation here is just now gone. So Yeah, we're not going to consider Hong Kong a special Chinese city in terms of our, in terms of its economic power. We're just going to treat it like every other Chinese city. So Hong Kong will probably diminish, and by the time we get to 2047, it probably will just be another Chinese city with a couple yeah. of quirks. Like, maybe, maybe it'll still have the different currency, maybe... Maybe they'll still have a different kind of a half different legal system, but it won't be the same. No, and it won't be freer. No, but I think it's the, really sad. It is, but you know, you can't really beat the largest, most powerful army in the world in the second most powerful country that's on its way up. Well, you and I can't. We can try. We tried that one time, didn't get very far. Mm. 
I do like seeing um, some of the creative, like the creativity on the side of the protesters, and like dealing with some of the force from um, the police. Like the, have you seen how they've been dealing with tear gas? No, it's like when a tear gas canister lands and deploys, um, it gets really, really hot. Like as the as the tear gas comes out of it, and so if you try pick it up and throw it back, it'll actually scald your hand. Ouch. Um, yeah, so what, what they've been doing is um, when a tear gas canister lands, they have traffic cones and they run up and they pop a traffic cone on it immediately to kind mm-hmm. of contain the the, the, the um, gas. And then through the hole in the top of the traffic cone, they just blast it with water. And so like very, very quickly and efficiently put it out. And then they just lift it up and the thing's just left inert and they're just like running around really quickly doing it. <laughs> they've also got these like really strong laser pointers that they use to um, point oh, I heard about this. Yeah. lots of facial recognition cameras everywhere. Uh. And so when they're like taking over an area, they just have people strategically placed and um, bombarding these cameras with laser pointers so they mm. can't actually recognize people's faces. Yeah, I heard that there was um, there was a guy arrested for dangerous laser <laughs> buying and everyone was like, well, fuck you. And they put on like a laser show, <laughs> like a nice, a nice looking nighttime laser show. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, mean, I love these little these little like optimistic stories that come out. Um, or like the big peaceful chain one that like this they almost set a record for like this huge peace chain of people holding hands across across the city yeah um, I mean I hope I'm wrong about those yeah. pessimistic things I'm talking about but I think the best outcome for Hong Kong will be not violence so exactly and I think it's it's a wonderful testament to, to the to the people like yeah. to see see the the kind of the tenacity yeah. of their protests is, is wonderful yeah we talked about some of the rowdy um, people taking over the legislature, but that that was like a rare case. Most of the, they've been marching every Sunday, and most of them mm-hmm. are pretty peaceful. The only time oh, it gets, yeah. the only time the trouble happens is when um, the police come in and get too rough. Right, exactly, exactly. Do you see as well? Um, the uh, so you know, Disney are going crazy with all of these live action remakes. Um, the actor playing Mulan in oh, the upcoming yeah. Mulan remake came out in support of the the police. And now there's like calls for these huge boycotts of Mulan. Yeah, she did it on the Chinese Twitter. Um, is it Weibo? Yeah. Uh, WeChat? We no WeChat's different. Anyway, the, oh, um, anyway, yeah. She yeah she she retweeted some because like we were saying, most of mainland China are against them, mm-hmm. and she kind of tweeted with that. So yeah, sure. She's got like family like business vested business interests in mainland China, and people were pulling that up and stuff. And oh really? Calling for a boycott? Yeah, her uncle is like a huge businessman in China and yeah it's hope that people are talking about boycotting it now and uh, just Disney's PR department just going absolutely crazy most of the rich people in Hong Kong are kind of on the side of the Chinese because that's where they they know where their bread is buttered but yeah. there's one particular guy uh, what's his name uh, his name is Jimmy Lai mm-hmm. um, he is a media tycoon billionaire and he has always been on the side of, of more democracy for Hong Kong, which has pissed off the Chinese. So they um, they encourage his, his, he has a family in the mainland because I think he moved to Hong Kong when he was a kid. So like the 40s or so. And he left mm-hmm. behind loads of family. They have been encouraged to call him Fatty Lai. <laughs> Even though he's not fat. <laughs> he's got a little bit of a belly, but like he's, he looks like a very I mean, healthy who doesn't, man in his sake. 70s. Yeah, so the, yeah. The, 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 they, they got like footage and interviews in, in newspapers of his family. Oh, he's just fatty lie. We don't like him. And then they actually expunged what? him from their official genealogical records. What? Which is a big thing in China. Yeah, it was pretty rough. That's huge. That's he kind of shrugged it off, though. He doesn't mind. I like this guy. Um, and there, there are pro-Chinese protesters always outside his door singing the Chinese national anthem. He says... That's annoying. <laughs> That's, that sounds so fucking annoying. Um, I also seen there was a pro Hong Kong uh, rally in Toronto mm-hmm. and it got counter rallied by loads of pro Chinese people. Um, 
probably from China and including four fucking Ferraris and Lamborghinis showed up and rev their engines to try and say, oh, what? Look, we're for China. I was like, know your audience. That does not make you look like you're fighting for the people if you show up in a fucking Lamborghini and rev your engine to try and stop a democracy protest. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds like a parody. That's ridiculous. This you goes to caricature. Yeah. Where's, the, where's your socialist government now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they're not um, people's Lamborghinis. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets a Lamborghini. <laughs> that would be luxury automated communism now. We didn't get around to talking about that in the last episode, but we will. Yeah, like we said, this is an ongoing thing, so we'll probably dip back into this in future new segments and stuff, depending on, on how it goes down. Oh, I forgot about Jimmy Lai's best feature. Oh, go for it. Um, he became famous by, by well, he, became, he made his money by making a really shitty uh, pamphlet, like really trashy, that started off reviewing prostitutes. What, like a zine, like a, like a, like a cheap fanzine? Kind of, prostitutes. yeah. But now that same cheap fanzine, which is still kind of smutty, but it would more, it'd be more like the sun than an actual prostitute review. Paper, <laughs> right, okay. Um, is one of the bastions of, de- of democratic speech in Hong Kong. That's crazy. Yeah, so the world is the world is funny. The world is an interesting place. That's what happens when you... Bu- you know what? Actually, do you know what I'm thinking now? This world, this version of the world and all these new stories we talk about, this is what happens when you take both the red and blue pill in the Matrix. <laughs> That's, oh yeah, this, this is the broken, rea- this is the broken this simulator. This is the broken version of both realities. There is a simulator out there that is working well. There's like another one that's completely distraught and this one is like half. <laughs> Halfway in between both of them and also diarrhea. Oh. <laughs> and on that note, should we finish up? Let's finish up. Let's finish up. So we have down here the book club announcement. We already talked about that. Do we need to talk yeah. about that anymore? Um, we'll, we're good. We will probably drop a little episode or something like that into your feed mm-hmm. to announce who it is, what the book is, where you can get the book and how long you have to read it. Mm-hmm. That'll be... And so, the penalties if you don't read it? Yes, you will be stricken off. There will the be bottom. penalties if you don't read it. <laughs> we will call you fatty and we will take you off our register. And shoot you into the sun. We will drive our Lamborghinis outside your house and rev them really loud. And play party rock anthem really loud over and over again. The world's most, be- the world's best, most annoying song. And we will stand outside reading reviews of prostitutes. <laughs> Very democratic ones. <laughs> uh, God, yeah, this really is the red and blue pill. Uh, yeah, so that's it. The book club is serious, though. The book club is the book club is serious. Yes, that's very serious. That's not one of our true fake facts. No. If you have any true fake facts, please let us know. You can tweet them at us or message us on Instagram or send us uh, an email at what on politics. Yeah. Um, At gmail.com, at what on politics on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know your true fake facts. Maybe we'll feature them. Twitter them. You can Twitter them to us. Mm-hmm. Or uh, leave a voicemail with them. If you go to onepolitics.com, click on the little microphone, you can leave a recording of your true fake facts. Oh, yeah. We never talk yeah, about exactly. that. I always forget that that's there. You can also f- follow the way of our grandfathers, our ancestors, and stand outside our window and shout things at us. Preferably nice five-star reviews. That would be great. Mm. If you go to your, uh, you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review, that really goes a long way to making us feel good about ourselves and also helping the podcast grow. One-star um, review. Great banter, lovely chats, great information, but couldn't tell their voices apart. One, <laughs> One star. <laughs> Go away, brother. Basically the same person. <laughs> I don't know why my brother's from Laos now, but he is. <laughs> Uh, also, if you want to listen to our bonus episode of the podcast, you can go to whatimpolitics.com forward slash beer, buy us a pint, 
and we will send you our drunken bonus episode. Uh, we got a couple of uh, a couple of lovely donations from people, and I sent out the bonus episode to pretty much I think all of them. But if I missed you by any chance, I am sorry. Please let me know, and I will I will resend it. It's not because we're hoarding the episode. It's not because we have a limited number of these episodes, and no. we're trying to ration them in you know before Brexit. It's I've been because trying, I'm fucking shite at what I do. I've so. been trying to be very zero wasty these days because, you know, the environment mm. and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I was downloading a PDF map on my phone and I, I wanted to download it again. And then I kind of hesitated going, oh, that's a waste. And then I went, you idiot. <laughs> I d- Steve, you joke. I do the exact same thing. If I'm like typing and I like have to delete a word... Uh, to replace it with a different word and I see like there's similar letters I'll sometimes delete around those letters so I'm not wasting characters I don't think we understand this whole zero waste thing do <laughs> I don't think we do we should probably do a podcast about that sometime <laughs> yeah yeah exactly okay. if you know any good zero waste people that is nice yeah anyone part of that movement would be great okay. I think that's us I'm gonna go protest in the streets of Donegal about something uh, canine suffrage canine suffrage votes for handsome dogs votes for handsome dogs oh Steve look you are very handsome okay you're not as handsome as your dog (laughs) you're still very handsome I just it's important for me to know for you it's important to me that you know where you live where you exist even like Ted looks like a mongoloid beside him now as well he's a very sexy dog Hercules yeah he just he is he is the John Ham of dogs go hey hey go tell Hercules what's up for me hey Hey, you puppy predator. <laughs> Stop that. All right, see you. Bye. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.